afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is Christina, and I would like to call in the ancestors. I would like to call in all that is good and true and beautiful in your ancestral line and in my own. Today, we call out particularly to those ancestors who can help us to understand our adult responsibility to be in direct relationship with the invisible world. We call out to those ancestors who can help us to understand, who have gone before us, who have been humans, who have walked the earth, who have met the challenges of day-to-day life and have engaged in a good way with the invisible help available to them. We call out to them to be with us here today that we might do what must be done to come to understand as contemporary people how to bear this responsibility with grace to engage with the invisible world and participate in our life more fully, more completely, and with greater effectiveness. So we call out to these ancestors to gather around us, to hold the space for us here today, that this conversation might be rich with that which we need to hear, those things that need to be said, and the way that we can all go forward together to create a better world. We call out to the energy of the earth, that most ancient ancestor, to help us to feel our own sense of connectedness and belonging, that we might, through our work with each other and the spirit world, reach out and feel the interconnectedness of all things, to feel the life force in things, the life force within ourselves, and to find a way to connect those energies in our life, that we know that our life is filled with blessing, that there is much to be grateful for, and to live in a way that we feel graceful on this earth, that we know that we belong, and that we live in a way that inspires others to know that they belong and they are connected as well. We call out to the energy of the sky above to come down, bringing all the wisdom of the cosmos, and by whatever name you call that highest energy, Call it down to us that we are protected in our proceedings here today, that we might be able to risk hearing something new, saying something new, being different, growing, reaching, risking. We call out to this energy that we may feel the blessings and the generosity and the benevolence of the true nature of our universe. We call out the energy of the sky above and the earth below to meet within us in our bellies, that we might feel that great union and know the peace of that loving connection within ourselves. And finally, we call out to the energy of the heart to be with us here today, that we might each connect more deeply to the powerful capacity of the heart to draw up the true passions of the belly that speak to you about why you are here and call down the clarity and the articulation and the discernment of the mind to merge these things together in the heart that you might know why you are here and go forward from our proceedings here today, ever more able to take the steps to bring those gifts to the world. Welcome, everyone. We are here today in Why Shamanism Now, discussing this issue raised last month about listening to voices. And I got a lot of very interesting questions, and as is always the case, talking about speaking to spirit, many of the questions were the same. Because as contemporary people, we have kind of all the same sort of frustrations to pass over 
as we come into a relationship as contemporary people with the invisible world. Now, of course, people have been in relationship with the invisible world for eons, since the dawn of time for humanity. And yet, as contemporary people, we seem largely to have lost those skills. And so we're speaking here today about the challenges of coming to interface with this invisible world in a way that allows us as contemporary people to make that interface useful and to to bring it to bear in our life um, in a way that allows some clarity and some guidance and some feeling that we uh, are engaged with an energy larger than ourselves, an energy that holds a bigger picture than we could ever possibly hold and helps us to find our way in that larger context in a way that is true for our soul and that in doing so we bring abundance and blessing and uh, our gifts. We, we bring things to the world because of this relationship. So it's a very, very important and critical relationship. And as far as I've been able to tell as a contemporary person living almost half a century, I haven't found anything better than shamanism for, or shamanic skills, basically, for helping us to have an engaged, active, participatory, direct, working relationship with spirit. Now, the issue in that, of course, is this issue of hearing voices. What does it mean to communicate with these invisible forces? And while the titles of these shows have been focusing on voices, um, it is important to acknowledge at all steps along the way that when we engage with the invisible world, we are required to open all of our senses and that there is no hierarchy in receiving messages. It's not better to see or hear or whatever, that we can feel things, see things, hear things, and that these are all legitimate manifestations of this communication with the spirit world or the invisible world. So one of the definitions of a shaman is essentially a crazy person who has cured themselves of their own insanity. And that's essentially what is the functional piece that's happening in a true shamanic initiation, no matter what culture we're in talking about this initiation. And so, so this begs the question then, so why are these shamans who have had this initiatory experience able to communicate with these invisible forces and do so in a way that brings useful information for themselves and for others, can bring healing information through, that, that is very effective and helpful when that other person who is the average ordinary person panhandling on the corner is clearly also speaking to invisible spirits and is not helping anyone. So, and I mean that with no disrespect to the person panhandling on the street and talking to spirits. Um, this is a very challenging issue for people in our contemporary world. And one of the reasons I think it's so challenging, at least in America, I believe, is because our healthcare system doesn't approach it in a way that's helpful. And does and we talked about that last uh, two weeks ago, so I'm not going to go into that again, but that basically we don't acknowledge that there is, culturally, we don't acknowledge that there is an invisible world. We do interface with it, whether we want to or not. And because that's a given, we should learn to do it skillfully. Seems pretty basic to me, but there's a whole lot of people that don't want to believe that and consequently create a reality 
in their minds that doesn't actually reflect what's really going on in the world. Because what's really going on in the world is there are invisible forces that affect us. So the thing about shamans is that they are selected for their capacity to develop, well, for their ability to develop the capacity of clear discernment and interpretation in working with the spirits. That it's not really about their ability to journey or their ability to have this kick-ass relationship with the spirit world. That there's a whole lot of people. I have clients that are everyday normal lawyers or parents or whatever who quote-unquote journey better than I do. They have rich, full experiences with lots of visuals and sound and everything. And these people are better journeyers. They have a better communication with the spirits. But the reason someone gets selected to work as a shaman is their capacity to develop a clarity in the heart that allows for discernment and interpretation so that they can begin to communicate, essentially, to the spirit world for others. And so this is the key to begin to understanding how do I, as an individual who isn't a shaman, then learn which voices to listen to. And this cultivating within yourself, then, a clear heart is more important than becoming, you know, able to be a channel or some hugely developed relationship with the invisible world. The most important thing is for you to cultivate as a person in your everyday life a clear heart, um, which is this core foundational element for creating this um, energy, internal energy structure within oneself to be able to discern and interpret these messages from spirit, whether they're visions or their voices or their experiences. So this brings me to the first question that I received from the show two weeks ago. And that question is, how do I really know that I am listening to the right voices? How do I really know? And the main answer to this is that the only way we really know is to get out of our head. And for contemporary people, this is a big challenge. But it's to develop in your day, or to choose to spend some time in your day to let your conscious awareness, and I usually just see it as a little ball of fire in my head, or ball of light, in my head to drop down below the neck and to move down into my heart and ultimately into my belly. Now, for those of you that understand chakra systems, you're welcome to expand on what I'm talking about with the beauty and eloquence of a chakra system, but you don't need to know that to be able to do this. That the important thing is to choose to spend some time with your consciousness below the neck. Let that ball of awareness move out of your head where it normally lives, hopefully at least in your head, if down into your heart and ultimately potentially down into your belly. And if your consciousness is, is spread out, as a column of light between your belly, deep, deep down in your pelvis, all the way up to your heart, you will feel a sense of a rightness in the voices. It's an intuitive sense that comes out of that core inner being that everyone possesses, but many people spend a really, um, do a really good job ignoring it. And the important thing is you can't ignore that internal core if you want to answer the question for yourself, which voices do I listen to? Because your head is the person or the, the awareness within you 
who is most easily fooled, most easily sidetracked, most easily running off after red herrings. And so the key to knowing in in an inner sense that you're listening to the right voices is the willingness to take some time in every day to cultivate that deep core internal relationship. Now, if you've been listening to this show, you know, for the past year, I'm sure you've realized this is a theme. (laughs) This statement to take some time every day to cultivate your internal alignment and awareness is a theme. It is at the root of all truly conscious awareness and a conscious relationship with spirit. So when we return from this break, we'll come back to this idea, this practice of cultivating an internal alignment from your mind to your heart and deep into your belly and to learn to live from that place. Thank you, everyone, for joining me today. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And today on Why Shamanism Now, we are talking about listening to the voices of spirit, essentially, from the invisible world in our life. So we were on the topic of alignment. And yes, we've been on this topic many times before because it is the core the core practice of everything else. So let's imagine you're Joe Bob Ralph and you don't want to know about any of this stuff at all, but the truth of the matter is you're getting these weird feelings at work. You're getting these weird feelings that your boss is actually not being truthful. And you're starting to get these weird dreams that your boss is kind of factoring in in kind of weird dreamlike ways that are reinforcing the idea that you actually know what really should be going on at work and your boss is not only being untruthful but is going to lead the company off sideways and this this as the conversation at work is going further and further towards the boss's direction and and you know this is going to bring the downfall of the company because you're seeing it in your dreams at night you're thinking man I just want my life to go back to normal when I could just watch TV, go to bed, go to work, and all this was easy. But the truth is you're starting to get messages. You're starting to hear things when you're sitting there in meetings. The truth is you're hearing voices. So now what do you do? Who do you listen to? Because there are other voices in your head telling you you're crazy. Another voice in your head telling you you're an idiot. Your boss knows what he's doing. He's getting paid 17 times as much as you are. Right? So you're just a guy. Life is happening Stuff's going down, and you're starting to hear voices. What the hell do you do? What you do is this. I'm asking you to give yourself four minutes a day. That's all. You can begin with four minutes a day. Now, ultimately, you might need to use more than that. I'll admit it. But let's start with four minutes a day. Everybody has time for four minutes a day. I don't care when in the day you pick those four minutes, but pick four. Not even five, just four. And what I want you to do is sit still. And for those of you that are already going, I can't do that, I started this work in Manhattan. Most of my clients commuted. Now, granted, they commuted on mass transit, but they did this on the train, on the subway. I used to do it on the subway. Now, it's a little hard, okay, if you're the one driving out here in the West Coast. But the point is, the space you pick to do this in doesn't have to be pretty. You can do it at the gym. I don't care where you do it. I'm just asking you to do it for four minutes. So this is what I'm asking you to do. Sit. Breathe. 
just follow your breathing in and out until your awareness has stopped running around thinking about what you want for dinner, whether that girl really wants to go out with you, what all the little things your brain is thinking about, and just breathe until your mind is just following your breathing. And I know that's boring, but just do that. Okay. Once you've done that, which will probably take you about a minute, that's minute number one, then I'd like you to find your consciousness, which at that point will most likely be in your head. And just imagine it like a little ball light, you know. Make it be a cartoon, a little cartoon of light. And allow that little ball of light. Just imagine that you can drop it down, like down an elevator shaft, just down into your pelvis. Now you're sitting, so your pelvis is upright, basically, and it looks like a little bowl, a little bony bowl of guts, right? Imagine your little ball of light going all the way down into your pelvis and just breathe in and out and as you breathe in let the little ball of light go bright and it's out and it'll go down a little bit and just breathe in and out that's your one minute down in the belly and let that little ball of light slowly rise up into the heart same thing just breathing in and out letting your consciousness be in the heart but imagine as it rises from the belly to the heart that it's leaving a trail of light So now your belly is going to be connected, or your pelvis is going to be connected all the way up to a belly of light in your heart, and you're breathing in and out, breathing in and out. That's minute three. And then connect that line of energy as the ball of consciousness slowly rises from the heart up through the elevator shaft, up into your head, and you breathe there, in and out, for your fourth minute. And the last few seconds of that fourth minute, just take a moment and feel that alignment of that energy path you've now created, that light path you've now created from your pelvis up to your heart, up to your head. And just visualize it. Imagine it. Make it up. See a cartoon. doesn't matter how you do it. Just do it. That's your four minutes. That is the core practice of alignment. Now, if you listen to the show on grounding, you connect that to your grounding cord, you connect that to the highest power. There's a whole lot of things to do with that, but if you don't create that inner core, there's nothing to work with. You're just a big, random, distracted, seduced by advertising, contemporary, over-caffeinated, over-sugared ball of energy. And there's nothing the spirit world can do with you. And so it's your task, then, to give yourself that four minutes. And create that internal alignment from your gut to your heart to your mind. And you connect those three up so they can begin to work in concert. So if your gut and your heart and your mind all agree that that voice in your head should be listened to, like the voice that's telling you your boss is going to run this company into the ground, then if your belly and your mind and your heart all agree, that's a voice to listen to. The voice that's just in your head that's telling you you're too stupid to know he's getting paid 17 times as much as you are, don't listen. Don't listen to that one in your head because your heart and your belly don't agree. That is the beginning. I know it sounds pathetically simple, but that is the beginning of this core of alignment. So the next question, oh, and then the next thing is this core of alignment. And the bottom line to Bob's answer here about how do I really know if I'm listening to the right voices, I hate to say this, folks, but the bottom line is you know 
an answer was worth listening to. Once you act on it and see how it did or did not change your life. Mostly, if you act on messages that are not correct, nothing will happen. Your life will continue to have the problems that it has. If you act on messages that are aligned, things will begin to change. Sometimes if you act on messages that aren't aligned, things really go sideways. But mostly what will happen is nothing. And that's the thing that people don't understand. It's not that big a risk. Because mostly what happens is nothing changes if it's not a correct answer. If it's a real answer from the invisible world, then when you apply it to your life, things will begin to change and begin to move towards a state of greater alignment with your purpose, um, with your truth. Now, with that said, if you're way off course, that path back to alignment may look a little bit chaotic, but the point is you'll feel a greater and greater resonance with your own truth as you move closer and closer to that path. Okay, so it's alignment and action, and then looking back at what happened. So there was another question that came in that said, am I not just making these voices up in the first place? Now, first off, how are you deciding what to make up? You know, where is what you're making up coming from? And that's a good question because sometimes it's coming from the automatic voices in your head that are based on all the stories you got in your growing up time as a child. But a lot of times what you're making up, especially if it's a little bit risky or creative or actually has a resonance with your belly and your heart and your mind, is coming from spirit. So first off, you know, so you're making things up. Big deal. See if it works. Okay. Now, but moving on, I mean, I realize that seems like a simplistic answer, but in the beginning, it's not such a bad answer. To go further out on a limb here with you, though, I will now disagree, most likely, with your therapist. As a shamanic practitioner, I do believe that these voices are not just in our head. We are not just making them up, that I am not the master of the universe. I think this idea that we manufacture everything in our head is arrogant. That we are here participating in a collective oneness, and there are many, many, many energies in this oneness that while they are connected to me, and if I could be at that oneness consciousness, yes, okay, that would be me making it up. But I'm not. I'm mostly in this Christina consciousness. I'm just a person. And as a person, I like the idea that there are things here wiser than I am. And that those, those energies I can connect with because of the oneness of things. And that they can help me, even if it's just my own ancestors. Even if it's just the people in my lineage I'm connected to that have gone before me and have faced this type of problem and learned from their mistakes. What if you could just learn from all the mistakes of all of your ancestors? If that source of wisdom alone was available to you, well, it is. If you can learn to develop and cultivate this kind of relationship with your ancestors. And I'm not just talking about, you know, your dead grandpa. I mean the ancestors all the way back to the first people. That's a lot of wisdom. Now you may figure, have to figure out how to apply it to the contemporary life, but there were humans and frankly our problems have not changed that much. So I don't actually think that I'm just making up these voices. I don't actually believe that they're all just in my head. Now, I mean, like I said, your therapist may not agree, but as a shamanic practitioner, I believe that we are in relationship with energies um, that are connected to us but are different from us. So with that all said, I also want to say I'm not naive. 
And I understand that regardless of what I think about where these energies are coming from that are communicating with us, that we're still processing it all through our mind, right? And so the third question that I got that I loved was, if my mind is a sneaky weasel, isn't my mind the one hearing these voices? How can I trust what I'm hearing? It all seems like smoke and mirrors to me. Help! So it's my favorite question about the last show, and as we come back from this break, I will do my best to answer this question And then we'll move along to talking about working with this whole issue with your children. So thank you all for joining me here today. I hope these answers are helpful, and I hope you'll come back after this break. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And today we are talking about the challenges of identifying which voices to listen to, which images, which dreams, which messages from spirit to pay attention to, and which ones to not pay attention to, and how do we know? So we have this wonderful question from Carol that was, if my mind is a sneaky weasel, isn't my mind the one hearing these voices? How can I trust what I'm hearing? This all seems like smoke and mirrors. It's a great question because this is the challenge, is our mind and its capacity to be distracted, to be biased, to be committed to its own survival at all costs, including keeping you from actually listening to spirit. And why is that? Because if you had direct relationship with spirit, you would most likely start changing your life. And the ego's job is to maintain the status quo, to keep things stable and consistent. And the ego doesn't like change at all. And so, it doesn't want you talking to spirit. It doesn't matter if your soul's dying in the job that you're living in. It doesn't matter if your health and well-being are threatened by the choices that you've made in your life, your ego wants to maintain status quo at all costs, and that cost can be the true survival of your soul, the true expression of your soul's purpose. And so you need to know that. Not that the ego's bad, it's just understanding that is the ego's job. And so given that, we need to not let the ego always run the show. And it's the ego that's telling you, talking to these voices, is a bad idea. So listen to me for a minute instead of your ego, and let's talk about this. So This whole question of, well, how do I know which voices to listen to? On one hand, I have great compassion for this because I struggle with it myself, especially in the beginning of my practice. And everybody struggles with it, so we have to have compassion for it. At the same time, come on, people, get a grip, right? You listen to human beings communicating with you all the time. And intuitively, you know who's lying to you. You know who's trying to manipulate you. You know who's supporting you. You know who's acknowledging and affirming you. You know the friends that really see you and get you. And, and, and you know that these conversations all feel different. You know this. You communicate with people all the time, and some are trying to pull your legs, some are trying to manipulate you and get things from you, and some are trying to be your true dear friend and support you and acknowledge you and to help you. And then you may even have wise counsel in your life. Lucky you. You may have a great therapist who really is able to convey wisdom. Maybe a priest, maybe a rabbi. I don't know. You know, we have all these different kinds of people in our lives. We talk to them all the time. They're all coming from different places. And we know the difference. It's not any difference if the communication is coming from something that doesn't have a body. Because it's not about their body. It's about how it feels in yours when you receive the communication. And you're already doing this in your life. Apply the same principles to disembodied voices, 
your dreams, to different ways that the spirit world is communicating with you. These voices resonate differently. They do. You know that already. So use it. And I don't know about you, but I know I've been listening to the voices in my head that got pre-programmed by my childhood since I was old enough to understand English, right? I mean, we've been listening to the critic and the judge and to the, you know, whatever was dysfunctional in our mother or dysfunctional in our father and with all these internalized voices. We've been listening to these voices forever. They are very familiar to us. You know those voices. You don't need me to tell you how the difference, tell the difference between that and actually a direct communication from your soul or from spirit or from the tree in your front yard. Yes, your plants can talk to you, some people better than others. You know, first off, all the voices in your head that come from your stories from your childhood. You don't need someone to tell you how to tell the difference. They are so familiar, they should be boring. You should be like, oh, great, you again. Oh, hi, Judge. Nice to hear you again. Would you please go away? You know those voices. So what we are listening for is those voices or those messages that may come in visions or in dreams that come to us from the invisible world that resonate with our heart and with our belly and make our innards, that inner core of alignment, say, yes, this is the truth. Not that other stuff. And so as much as I would love to tell you there was like a checklist or something you could use, the truth is you need to feel it. So if you are really shut down in your heart, in your feeling space, if you are really emotionally closed off, your first step in listening to the voices is to listen to mine telling you right now you need to open your heart at least to yourself so that you can feel your own emotions. And if you can feel your own emotions, you can also begin to feel how these different communications feel. It's important to know what yes feels like, the big cosmic yes, where your pelvis, your, that belly, and your heart, and your mind are all resonating with yes. This is right for you as a person in the world. It's right for your soul. This is the path for you. This is the step. Not necessarily the whole path. It's the step. That's what it's about. You can't know often in your head, but you can feel it in your body. And that's the, only, that's the best answer I have for you. Sorry. But that is the best. Is It isn't going to come actually from your mind. It's going to come from the feeling of how these voices resonate with your heart and with your body and whether they make you feel more alive. They may be scary, but they awaken your passion. They may feel risky, but they help you remember why you're even bothering to be here. These are what we listen to. And the stuff that's kind of in some kind of gray zone, just ignore it for now. If it's an important message, it will come back. If it's an important message for your soul, it will not stop coming back until you hear it. So trust your feelings. Cultivate that inner alignment. Give yourself the four minutes. Cultivate that inner alignment and start paying attention to it and see what happens. I mean, that's the best I can offer you ultimately is pay attention, see what happens. So moving along to the really beautiful question I received from Runa in Oregon, who is a mother, 
She said, I'm wondering if you have any resources you could offer to help parents such as me cultivate things like truth courts and how to tell if the belly, heart, and mind are in alignment for children. Um, she has two, and while she says, while I've taught them a lot of what I have come to know, sometimes I get stuck in presenting something to a younger crowd. And so I asked my resident expert about children, my niece Olivia, for her guidance here, and she said, if you want kids to do something, make it a game and make it fun, <laughs> which makes a whole lot of sense. So what I would say, especially for new parents, is to start with your children when they are young and they still believe everything that you say. It's helpful to begin then. Um, and then do it with them. If you teach them something and don't do it yourself, they will not do it. They will not learn it and they will not do it. And so one of the main things about this idea of that inner alignment of the, or the truth cord, which is the whole cord that connects from the highest power of the universe through the head to the heart to the belly and all the way down to the center of the earth and back up again. Or there's just this alignment between the belly and the heart and the mind that if you don't do this, they're not going to. And so the first thing I would suggest is you find a way to make it fun and you do it with them as part of the ordinary part of their day, like going out in the backyard and being a tree. And having the sense of the little your little tree roots in the ground and coming up into the trunk and really feeling the belly and having the trunk be that core alignment between the belly and the heart and the mind. You can be different trees on different days, but make it a game. Make it part of what you do regularly with your kids and do it with them. Then the next piece of that, that in and of itself is important, but I don't think that it's actually enough because I think it's our task as parents then as they come upon their little trials and tribulations of their young lives, to use this as part of their solution so that they can see the practical application of this whole alignment idea. So what I mean is, you know, for example, let's say your child comes home and has actually failed their first test at school. I mean, the first time they failed a test at school. And they're devastated and they're demoralized. It probably takes you three hours to get it out of them to find out why they're just moping around and don't want to talk to anybody or acting out or whatever it is they're doing. So part of the answer isn't just to figure out how to do homework with them so that they can figure out why they didn't pass. Part of the answer with them, let's say the child actually knew everything but got so nervous about the test that they just couldn't do it in the time frame offered. So in addition to all the things parents need to do, which is to figure out does the kid have learning disability, whatever, is to sit down with the child and talk about how did it feel before they had the test and to walk through it with them how they could make themselves be that tree like you used to do with them when they were four or three or two and to help them feel how they would feel if they were sitting in their desk at school and that they were grounded to the earth like the tree and that they could feel their belly and they could feel their heart and they could feel their mind and they wouldn't even start their test until they were breathing from that place. Give them a way to begin then to take what you've taught them as young children into their life. So that's my first sense is start to use what you've taught them as part of the solution to the trials and tribulations that arise in their lives. And the other piece of it is it's important to do that so that they're 
sense of these things matures from the little childhood games you played with them, that it matures as they mature. So let's say they have their first heartbreak. I worked with these kids, in, these boys, a family of boys in Ohio, and they were corn-fed, they were strong, they were smart, they were agile, they were all really good at sports. And the first heartbreak for each of these boys was the time that they had the coach that was so focused on winning, they made the favorite sport, the sport this boy loved, that he fell in love with long before he ever knew girls existed, right? This sport, whether it was basketball or baseball or football or soccer or whatever it was, the coach that made that sport not fun anymore. That was their first real heartbreak. And so what I would say is to help the kid then bring these things you've taught them in to help them find the truth about that heartbreak. Was the coach right or were they? And help them feel that in their belly and their heart and their mind. So this is the idea is to help them to use it. It's our job as parents to help them to use it. And we'll continue to discuss how we can do this as adults with the children in our lives as we come back from this next break. Thank you all for joining me today. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and today we're talking about how we know which voices to listen to, and I've been trying to give you practical ways to do that, and right now we're talking about how to help our children to do this, and this is important because we are responsible for protecting our children, even from energies in the invisible realm that we may not understand, that children are in general, more open to spiritual dimensions of being human. But that doesn't mean that they know what to do about it. And we need to offer our protection in these invisible realms as well as in the physical realm. Um, And then, you know, as they mature, we also need to teach them to protect themselves. So, you know, newsflash, parents, There is an invisible world. It is impacting you and your children. And whether you know it or not, it is your responsibility to help them, to protect them initially from it. And once they grow in, you know, past their teen years, to really teach them to be able to manage that world themselves. It is as important as your responsibility to protect them in the physical world and teach them ultimately to protect themselves there as well. But if your child is not taught to be grounded and to have an inner core of their own truth and to have energetic boundaries, how do you expect them to go out in the world as young adults and make wise decisions? That understanding their internal energy structure is absolutely essential. And it is our responsibility as parents to to teach them. So what I'd like to talk about here in this last section of the show is a very challenging topic with children. It's a question I didn't get asked, but I probably should have been. Um, You know, what if your child is possessed? I mean, we, we laugh and we allow children to have these wonderful relationships with imaginary friends. And most of the time, those imaginary friends are their helping spirits or their angels or the energies we've called in to guard them. Most of the time, it's completely normal. It's a beautiful part of their development. And if we didn't get them to stop talking with their imaginary friends, they wouldn't have to listen to radio shows like this to figure out how to reconnect as grown-ups. And so, generally speaking, it's a really, really good thing. But what about those rare times when it's not? When a child ends up being connected to a quote-unquote imaginary friend that is actually a malicious 
possessing spirit. So what I'd like to just draw our attention to here quickly is just a piece of um, a woman named Hope Edelman's experience with her daughter Maya when Maya was very young. And this is recounted in Edelman's memoir called The Possibility of Everything. And this is a woman who writes a lot about mothering, and she's, for many people, will recognize her name. Um, But this book was published um, last fall by Ballantine Books. And in a nutshell, when Maya, the child, was three, around three, um, she had an imaginary friend that she called Dodo. And it eventually became apparent that Dodo was not a typical imaginary friend, but was indeed a malicious possessing spirit. And because their nanny was Nicaraguan, they... You know, there came this suggestion from her to to look into a curandera to get shamanic help, essentially. And so the Edelmans travel to Belize, and they work with um, some indigenous healers and with a shaman. And while it's very challenging, ultimately it is successful in dissolving the connection between Maya and Dodo and causing Dodo to move on. And it's unclear to me where Dodo moves on to, but anyway... So now Maya is 11 or 12, and she continues to have a relationship with the healers that she worked with, particularly the Kirandera in Belize. So what's important for us as parents to understand is that Hope Edelman really wasn't open necessarily to this information and this world and, and, and not really necessarily conscious of this responsibility as a parent to to protect their children in the invisible world. I mean, I realize nobody told you that. I mean, not only does nobody tell you how to parent, but, you know, we're living in a contemporary time that does not acknowledge our responsibility and our possibility in terms of the, our relationship with spirits. So anyway, she's just an everyday, ordinary mom, right? And But she did sense that something was not right because overall... Things didn't feel dependable or stable in her life. And that she began to feel lost as a parent and very doubting as a spouse, you know, in in her relationship with her um, uh, husband. And in addition, Maya began hitting and spitting and doing very uncharacteristic behaviors and then blaming them on Dodo. She also was having nightmares. You know, so it's one thing for a kid to scapegoat something and basically just be acting out. But it's another thing for a kid to be scapegoating something and then having nightmares because the nightmares are that place where the fact of this this threat begins to come through, um, become, begins to become apparent. And so while much of Maya's behavior was normal for a quote-unquote imaginary friend, Hope Edelman sensed intuitively that it wasn't right, that not all of it was right. So anyway, so they... They go through this process, and they, they go to the healer, and, and it all comes out well. And the, the purpose of bringing up this story is that, yes, we want to encourage the relationship with the invisible world in our children. We'd like them to not actually have to let it go as they mature. It would be more helpful if we would teach them how to think of that relationship in a more mature way, to go from having you know, Bobo the imaginary bunny to recognizing that rabbit is a helping spirit for a young teen and to help the teen then begin to engage with rabbit um, in a teenage way instead of as a little four-year-old way. I mean, we can help 
our children mature this relationship. We don't have to require that they cut them off. But what the Edelmans had to deal with was the other extreme, is when that energy is not helpful. And so it's important for you not only to understand your responsibility as a parent to be open to this possibility, but to be willing to go forward into the world and to you know be open to the possibility of shamanic healing for children that are really challenged with invisible energies. And that is a possibility. If you have an unmanageable child, it may not be the child's fault. There may be something else. I'm not saying there is, but there may be. So there you have it, folks. This is um, my first effort to help you really understand the mechanics of, of discerning for yourself which voices, which visions, which dreams, how to listen to the communication that's coming in from spirit. You need to listen with your heart. You need to have a sense of alignment between your heart and your mind and your belly. And you can't have that if you don't cultivate it. And so I challenged, I've challenged you to give yourself four minutes a day to cultivate that and to see if you can develop a growing sense of sort of stability, I guess, in your ability to discern and to interpret these um, energies that are coming in from the invisible world to assist you. Primarily, they're all coming in to assist you in your life as as many of us are starting to refer to them now, the compassionate spirits. And we all certainly know the distinction between seduction and compassion. And those spirits that would be malicious in intent will, may feel good, but it will be a slick, seductive kind of goodness. And those that are compassionate will feel like the angels. So thank you, everyone, for joining me here today, joining me this week. Next week, we have the, a lovely opportunity to speak with Tom Pinkson, who is republishing his um, book called Flowers of Wirakuta, which is about his autobiographical account of his decade-long immersion in the shamanic traditions of the Wuchol people. And so next week, he will be on the show talking about the shamanic wisdom of the Wuchol and the application of these medicine teachings for modern times. So I give thanks to you all for listening. To the ancestors for holding us well, for the earth below and the sky above, and for the heart that unites us all. Please remember we are only on the airwaves because you're telling your friends. So link us up, join the fan page on Facebook, and please continue to spread the word about why shamanism now. Thank you for joining me this week. It's been an honor and a pleasure.